Good morning. I want to welcome you to First Baptist Sandy Springs. We are here to worship the Lord on a beautiful, beautiful day that he's provided just for you and just for me. We're going to stand now and we're going to sing together. And the first song we're going to be singing may be something that will be new to you, but the more you sing it, you heard it last Sunday. You, uh, hopefully you'll pick up some phrases and join with us as we sing this morning. Maybe stand, please. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever Show 
We're happy to have Erin come and sing for us again. She's going to embark on a new life in the fall, or the, in August, right? Yes. She's heading for the University of Arizona. So this is going to be a unique time in her life, one that is um, enjoyable and one that is a lot of hard work, too. So we want to pray for Erin as she goes. And also, I would ask you to pray for Orbit and all the Orbit kids that are going off to college this fall. She's going to come down and she's going to sing for us, How Great Thou Art. And then she's going to be back with us Christmas Eve. So. <laughs> Humble adoration and 
Perfect. Thank you so much. How many days till Christmas Eve? You made us look forward to that. You really did. Years ago, when video cameras, do you remember the first video cameras? Some of you might have had them when they first came out. Gosh, 35, 40 years ago, it was a massive camera with a strap to hold a briefcase battery. Do you remember that? And it was just monstrous, and people became wannabe videographers because this was the big step from the old 8-millimeter projectors and, and cameras that people had. You could play it back instantly, and it was just fascinating. Well, Jeannie had a boss years ago that was a wannabe videographer with one of those monstrous cameras and one of the battery packs and... He would bring the camera to school functions and shoot, and afterwards, he would show his completed effort to an unfortunate few. You already know what I'm going to tell you, don't you? There were a couple of problems with his work that it's not good, Steve, for a cameraman to have the shakes, but he had the shakes. And so you would try to watch, and it was just painful to watch. And to make matters worse, he didn't focus. And so you would see a blurry blob of something, and it was just excruciating to watch it. It's like looking at your bulletin cover today. Did you try? It's horrible, isn't it? Life gets out of whack when we don't focus. Don't you agree to that? When we don't focus or get it out of whack, it, it complicates everything. I was with Hal Bennett the other day. This was before surgery one. It was pretty late one evening, and the surgeon came in to talk before they rolled him into the room. And Have any questions? And the surgeon was yawning. When he walked out of the room, Hal's eyes were this big and Carol's eyes were this big. And they thought, you know, we should have asked him if we should postpone this until he was awake. You want a doctor focused, don't you? Unfortunately, over the years, I've performed funerals of people that were texting while driving. Georgia has passed a law and, well, if you wander around and look, you see a lot of people don't adhere to it. Going 70 miles an hour, it just takes one split second to lose your focus and trouble comes. So if you do that, I don't want to do your funeral, so don't do that. So today I want to talk about 
our focus and maybe the lack of it and how it can rob our lives as Christians of joy because we are obsessed or focusing on something. God, help us to focus today on your word and your spirit to help us focus the way we ought. And then when we leave this place, no matter what we encounter, help us to focus and see things the way we should. Sometimes life can be overwhelming. Sometimes, Father, we have tough weeks like this past one. But, Father, we pray that we would see what you would want us to see and how we, would want, we should see it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at a, a familiar story, the story of the prodigal son. Uh, and we're going to look at it in a few minutes. But a little background here. It's found in the 15th chapter of Luke. But the 15th chapter of Luke begins this way. It says, and you see the meeting now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying about Jesus, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Can't you just see the Pharisees and the leaders with their arms kind of crossed in a closed position thinking, you know, why is that one here and why is that one here and pointing out the tax collectors and the sinners and these self-righteous men are now turning their nose down at Jesus he was ministering to the lost but they didn't care Jesus told us that's why he came in Luke 5 beginning at verse 30 we see these words the Pharisees and scribes once again were complaining to his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus gives this wonderful answer. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So here, before we get to the story, we see that the Pharisees, Pharisees focus is out of whack. It's blurry and it's shaky. And they've really gotten to a point where they just don't care about the lost people. In response to that, Jesus tells a few stories. The parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, and now the one we know so well, the parable of the prodigal son. The word prodigal, by the way, means wasteful or irresponsible or self-indulgent or reckless and it's an apt description of this boy. Let's look at this story and then see what we can learn about focus from it. Luke 15, beginning at verse 11. Remember, in response to the Pharisees' lack of focus or bad vision, Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of your property that will belong to me. So... His father divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he'd spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? 
But here, I'm dying of hunger. I'll get up, I'll go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran, put his arms around him, and kissed him. Then the son said to him, I... Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his slaves, Quick, bring out a robe, the best one. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Get the fatted calf, kill it, and let's eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. So remember, Jesus was telling the story why he was telling it. It's about the value of people. And he's teaching Pharisees then and now, they still exist, that all lives are worth saving. He's trying to change the focus of those that just don't care. But within the story that I love so much, that's so familiar to us, there are a lot of different important lessons on focus. Let's begin with the sun. I don't know where the conversation took place, at the table, on the porch, in the field, in the barn. But we know the question, the horrible question. Father, give me your share of, my share of the property that I'll get one day. In essence, what he's saying is, I can't wait for you to die, so I want my stuff now. That's really what's coming out of his mouth. How'd the son get to this point? I would say he lost his focus. We know he had a loving father. We can see that through the story. But he wasn't focused on that. He was focused not on what he knew and what he had. He was focused on what he didn't know and what he didn't have and thought he wanted. Let me apply this for a second. Over the years, I've seen people walk away from their families because they met someone on the Internet. Have you seen that? Their focus got messed up, and the consequences were devastating. Instead of working on their, certain, on their circumstance, they fantasized about the grass being greener on the other side and walked away. You ever seen somebody walk away from a job, be gone from it a few days, and then beg to get it back? It happens. I've seen it. So the son failed to focus on the loving home he was part of. He failed to focus on having plenty to eat. He failed to focus on having a roof over his head, things that, well, we still take for granted. And when we fail to tend the garden of our mind, all sorts of weeds begin to grow. And so they grew and they grew and they grew. As you know, his focus didn't change and He took his share of his father's estate and he went hog wild, pun intended. That is until he had to live with the hogs. And down and out now, he had to change his focus. Verse 17 of Luke 15 tells us that. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I'm dying of hunger. That's interesting. As he learns to focus on his old home situation, he remembers that even the servants ate well in his father's house. 
his empty stomach begins to tell his empty brain that he should head home, and he does. You also see that he's focused on his sin, something that has to happen in all of our lives. Verses 18 and 19 in Luke 15, he says, I'll get up and go to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So I'm glad that he's focused on his sin, but his focus is still messed up because look what he does. He disqualifies himself from his place at his father's table. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. Now that's a dangerous lack of focus. In applying this today, there's so many examples. Over the years, we've seen people disqualify themselves, haven't we? You know, I, I'm too old. You ever heard that one? I'm too young. You ever heard that one? I've never heard somebody say, I'm just right. Never heard that. Too old, I'm too young. They disqualify themselves. I'm too inexperienced or I'm overqualified. I'm not educated enough. I'm not good enough. You know, I've never done that before. I've been too bad. I come from a bad family. I have doubts. I have issues. I don't know how. I tried that once and failed. And all of these things come out of our mouths when we disqualify ourselves. If all of us focused on our inabilities and failures every church in this land would wither away if that's where our focus was. If we disqualified people for those reasons I just gave, there would have been no Moses or Noah or Gideon or Daniel or Jeremiah or Isaiah or Paul or Peter or Matthew or Zacchaeus, or you just name the name. It wouldn't have been any of them. But the key is focus. Satan wants us to constantly focus on everything that is wrong with us, and how far we still have to go. And God wants us to rejoice in far, how far we've already come and what he has given to us. And it's your choice. And it's my choice about how we do it. After the son decides to go home as a slave because he's disqualified himself from his father's table, let's look at what happens beginning at verse 20 again. So he set off and he went to his father. While he was still far off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion, ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a loving father? Then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm disqualified. We don't know if the father said the word, but I think the word nonsense is applicable here. Maybe it slipped out. Maybe he just thought it. Nonsense on his feet get the calf kill it let's eat and celebrate the son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate I love the father's focus don't you not on the sins of the son not on what he had done not on his past but that he's home but that he's home if you're a parent or a grandparent you've likely had to do this haven't you forgive a kid or a grandkid multiple times I'm if I listed the failures of my kids over the years I'm sure my focus would be distorted but I can't really list them too much because guess what I've forgotten them because I love my kids that's what the right focus does 
For a moment, let me apply it just to marriage. Years ago, I decided that Jeannie is perfect. I found a book in an estate sale called The Perfect Woman. You still have that book? She's never given me a perfect man. Anyway, I found a book, and it was called The Perfect Woman, and I gave it to her. And I know it's not good theology. There's only one perfect, and that was Jesus. I know that. But when my focus got to the point where I think my wife is perfect, it sure does help. It sure does help. Back to our story. The Father shows us how to focus. You know, he could have just easily focused on, you know, where's my money? What have you done with my money? Or he could have focused on, I can't believe you left this house. You just keep on going. Or he could have focused on, you know, you've tarnished our family name. Our name used to mean something here and now. Everybody knows what you've done. He could have focused on his son's lack of thought and reason, but he didn't. And guess why? That's good news. Because that's what we want from our Heavenly Father. We want him to focus on us in the good ways not the bad ways. Psalms 103, beautiful words. Listen to this. The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And do not forget all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. Verse 10, I love it. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Hallelujah would be an appropriate response to that, wouldn't it? For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. So far as the east is removed from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. That's good stuff about the focus of God. And do you know who wrote those words? You know who wrote Psalms 103? David. Remember David? David had some focus problems, didn't he? David would run hot and he would run cold. He was a roller coaster of faith. David knew about focusing on Goliath and he knew about focusing on Bathsheba and everything in between. But David sure pegged God's love, didn't he, in Psalms 103. One final word, and we're going to pick up here next week to help you focus this week, not on your circumstances, but on your blessings. That's why we think count your blessings today. Next week, we begin where we leave off today. Philippians 4, 8, good medicine for all of us. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, 
Think about these things. We will talk next week about how that changes our lives. I hope you're here. Let's pray together. Lord God, we all need this lesson about focus. Forgive us when we get under circumstances. Forgive us when we fail to look around and see what we truly are blessed with. Father, help us to trust you, to be thankful that you love us and forgive us and remove our sins as far as the east is from the west if we seek you. And Father, help us to never disqualify ourselves again. Father, help us to look at our families and our workplaces and our schools and our loved ones and our neighbors the way we ought. Father, help us to be a thankful people regardless. Help us to focus and see what we should see. Help us to be thankful and to celebrate the gift of today. Father, help us to turn our eyes always upon Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. We are going to sing a hymn of invitation today. Uh, we gave you a week's warning about that one. Uh, if God is leading you to join with this church family, if God is leading you just to a time of prayer to help you refocus your life, to rededicate yourself to him, to baptism, whatever those things are, we open the doors of our church today just for that. So what we'll ask you to do is stand and we're going to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus as you have an opportunity to respond. O oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life for I hope you know my friend Hayes Hubler. 
uh, Hayes comes to join our church and transfer from another church. He was baptized by Bill Self, so I think that qualifies him to be a pretty good Baptist, don't you? And so we're just thankful. We've gotten to know each other in the past three months, three, four months. And uh, you're going to be just blessed for having Hayes among us. If you'll accept him and love him and welcome him as a member of First Baptist Sandy Springs, raise your hand. You don't have to be a member to raise your hand. I bet all of you, every hand in here is up and we're thankful. What we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer and be dismissed. And before we do that, we're going to ask his family to come stand with him. They're not joining the church today, but they're going to just come stand with him because the Hubler family is a very close family. And uh, we're thankful to have two daughters and two grandchildren with him today. And so we're going to let them stand with him too. You come shake his hand and hug his neck and tell him how glad you are that he's here. Will you dismiss us in prayer, sir? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, for your love to us, a love greater than any love that we have ever known. We thank you, Father God, that uh, you have told us today to be sure to focus our lives and to focus our lives on you and on the good things that you provide for us and for what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us that our sins can be forgiven because of his shed precious blood. We thank you, Lord, for this family this day and pray, Father God, that you will continue to bless them in a special way. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Go with us now. Amen. Thank you.